0: We're in a series called Greater Reward. Uh, it's really a series about uh, creating positive change in your life. And uh, we take a topic and talk about it for several weeks. This is week three of three, so we're finishing up today. Today's topic is Don't Give Up. Now, have you ever looked at successful people? Successful in their relationships, successful in their businesses, successful uh, with their bodies, um, with their finances, you ever looked at successful people and wondered how they got successful? I think we all do in some respect. <clears throat> how did they become successful? Now, I think one of the fallacies that we come across is this well, I, they, they have a great body just because they had great genes, you know, or they, uh, they inherited their wealth, or they just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And we basically bullet down that they're just fortunate or they're just lucky. But that's not the case. Most of the time, that's not the case. So on your outline, I put this statement. Successful people, in whatever area of life, do consistently what other people do occasionally. So they're consistently exercising, like we saw in the video. They're consistently eating healthy. They're consistently um, not spending more money than they make. They're consistently working on their relationships. They're consistently doing the things that make them successful. Uh, Didn't happen accidentally. Uh, People don't wake up, you know, I'm not very spiritual today, but tomorrow I'm a spiritual giant. It just doesn't happen overnight. You know, uh, my body's falling apart and all of a sudden tomorrow I'm an elite athlete. Doesn't happen accidentally, does it? It doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I'm struggling in my marriage, and all, all of a sudden tomorrow i got the greatest marriage in the world. It doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen overnight. And we've said this, we all have the similar goals, right? We all want healthy bodies, great relationships, financial success, success at our jobs. But there's so many different outcomes. In fact, Dave Ramsey will say the majority of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And the borrower's slave to the lender. Um, So that's the majority of people. So, we talked about this also. Intentions, good intentions, don't make a difference. We all have good intentions to do all those things successfully. (laughs) And we don't do it, do we? So it's not, it doesn't determine the outcome or direction, good intentions. Actions determine directions. So it's not, hoping or wishful thinking it's habits that produce positive constructive change or or negative but hopefully not we don't desire negative ones another problem is is that lag between when we make the changes and we're seeing the results right so i put on your outline the small things that no one sees even ourselves maybe aware of lead to big results everybody wants So we don't see. The first time you exercise, (laughs) uh, start a new exercise program, do a different exercise, you don't see much results. Change your diet, you don't see much results. It's the small things over time, and we're going to talk about that this morning. So, uh, Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, wrote letters to churches he established, and we're going to look at a letter called Galatians that he wrote to a church. And let me tell you something about Paul's letters. Most of the time, they're kind of divided half and half. Now, we put chapters and verses on them, but it was a letter, like you would write a letter. Um, About halfway through the letter, he's talking theology about spiritual things. And then the other half of the letter, he talks about application. And so we're in that last chapter of Galatians, near the end of the letter, where he's talking about application. So... We're going to learn a a spiritual law or principle, but I want to give you some background. So we're going to back up a few verses. This is in our Bibles, Galatians chapter six, starting verse two. He says, share each other's burdens or bear one another's burdens. You have burdens, weights on you, so do I. In this way, you obey the law of Christ. Now, if you're carrying something heavy, and I see you struggling, it's easy for me to come alongside you. Hey, let me help you with that. We all would do that naturally, right? But he's talking more about emotional and psychological and spiritual burdens. And it's a little harder to help, right? it's a little harder for us to jump in there. In fact, depending on if the person brought the problems on themselves. Now, if they're from outside, we say, yeah, let me help you. But hey, you know, you made your bed lie in it. Sometimes we're not so ha- so uh, helpful when helping people carry their burdens when they cause them themselves. But he didn't give that caveat, does he? He said, just share each other's burdens. If you've got a weight on you, if I can help, I'm supposed to help. He calls it the law of Christ. What well, is the law of Christ? The Bible doesn't say the law of Christ is this, but Jesus said uh, you're supposed to love God and love each other. Uh, love each other the way I've loved you, Unconditionally. So if I'm loving you unconditionally, even if this burden you're carrying is your own fault, I'm supposed to love you and help you carry it. All right, so that's our general principle too, right? And he flushes it out a little bit, kind of steps on our toes. He says it this way, if you think you're too important to help someone, so why wouldn't I help you? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. Uh, that's your problem. That's not my problem. He said, if you ever think that, You're only fooling yourself. We all have as much garbage in our lives as each other, right? We all have as much shortcoming. He says, you're not that important. You're not so important that you can't help somebody else. One of my favorite verses is where Jesus said, he didn't come to serve, to, to be served, but to serve. So if he's our example, we're supposed to be serving people, right? So you have a burden. I'm supposed to, if I can, help you. Uh, He goes on, pay careful attention, kind of shifting gears here a little bit, pay close attention to your own work, what you're you're doing, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done, in which you should, when you put yourself into something and you should have a sense of satisfaction that, you know, I worked hard at this and whatever level of success you had, satisfaction, I did my best, whatever it might be. Now, our problem is that the second part, you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. All right? Why do we compare? Well, because most of the time we want to make ourselves look better. So I find somebody that's not as handsome as I am and think, oh, I'm handsome because I'm not, what's the word? Unhandsome, ugly. (laughs) That's the word, right? (laughs) As ugly as they are. Um, I find somebody that's not maybe as intelligent as I am. Well, I'm more intelligent than they are. Somebody doesn't have as much money as me. I mean, all areas of life. The other problem is when the person is more handsome than you or prettier than you, right, or more intelligent than you, then we feel bad about ourselves. So he said, don't compare. I always told our kids growing up, how do you determine worth? Well, worth is determined by what somebody's willing to pay, right? It's not about if I'm better or not as good as somebody else. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate example. You and I are of great value because Jesus was willing to give his life for us. That's how much we're worth. If you're going to make a comparison, who should you compare yourself to? Jesus, right? Just compare yourself to Jesus. That'll humble every, uh, every one of us every time, right? Then he goes on. <clears throat> for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So, whatever I do, however I act, I'm responsible for that. In fact, it just happened this week. Occasionally, I'm a little out of sorts. Let me put it that way. My wife would describe it a different way. But anyway, a little out of sorts. And it was, happened to be Wednesday. And uh, she didn't get home until, I don't know, 8.30 or so at night. And I'm a little short with her, whatever. And uh, it just so happens she finds out that I hurt myself that day. So, I was in pain. But it still doesn't make me not responsible for the fact that I was short with her, right? I'm still, uh, she's a little more understanding, but the point is I'm still responsible, right? And what we like to do is blame other people, right? Or in this case, I could blame my injury. No, I could blame somebody else. No, no, no. I'm responsible for my attitudes and my actions and my thoughts and my word. I'm responsible. Nobody else. Nobody else can make you do anything, right? Like, you make me so mad? No, nobody can make you mad. You're responsible for your conduct. So, with that background, he jumps into what I want to talk about today. He said, don't be deceived. Literally, it means don't be stupid, or don't be dumb, all right? God will not be made a fool. God will not be mocked, some translations say. God, I like this translation uh, that says, God will not be outsmarted. You ever try and outsmart God? Every time you and I sin, we try and outsmart God, right? I think we can get away with it. He said, don't, don't do that. And here's the principle, here's the law. You don't want to do that because for a person will reap what he sows. If you do stupid things, not so good things usually happen to us, right? If you try and mock God, not good things are going to happen to you. It's a law. It's a principle. He flushes it out a little bit. And we talked about this a little bit on week one. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, those who sow or those who try and please their sinful nature, you'll get a harvest. What's the harvest going to be? Decay and death. That's what you get from your sinful nature. Not good stuff. But those who live or sow to the Spirit, or please the Spirit, will harvest also something. What's the harvest this time? Everlasting life from the Spirit. So we all get to choose what we're going to sow, who we're trying to please, or what we're trying to please. And no matter what we want as a result, What we sow is going to determine the results. So I can sow to my sinful nature and expect to have blessings from God, but I'm not going to have them. So our actions determine the outcomes or the results, right? I like that word pleasing. Who are you trying to please? Some people are people pleasers. That's kind of a fruitless activity because nobody could please everybody. Jesus certainly couldn't. And one thing I loved about Jesus, he didn't go around trying to please people. He went around trying to please one, right? Trying to please his father. And that's what you and I should do. Not trying to please our, our sinful nature, but trying to please the spirit, our God, our father. So, he goes on. So we got this battle, we got this struggle, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of pleasing the spirit instead of pleasing the flesh. It's hard work. It, you will get tired, he says, but don't stop doing it because you're going to reap what you sow. So at the right time, we might say in God's timing, we'll reap a harvest of blessing, good things. Here's the caveat, if you don't give up. If you don't give up in your relationship, if you don't give up in dealing with your health, if you don't give up dealing with your finances, uh, if you don't give up, good things will eventually happen. And one more verse, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, <laughs> it's kind of a conclusion. Okay, if you do this, therefore, when you have the opportunity, we should do good, good to everyone. That makes it easy, right? I, can't, I don't have to do good to you. I'm going to have to do good to you. No, good to everyone. Especially to those in the family of faith. So if you've got to choose, make sure you your other fellow believers, Jesus followers. So, he gives us a law, a principle. Great thing about laws are, they are true. All right? So, for example, if I'm to step off the stage... Am I ever going to go up? I can jump a foot or so up. But where am I going to always land? Down. We have a law called gravity, right? You can take advantage of that or sometimes disadvantage of that. But it's a law. It's always true. What goes up comes down. So we're going to look at a spiritual principle that actually applies to all, all of life. I call it the law of sowing and reaping. That's what Paul just described to us, right? So we got three parts of this law of sowing and reaping. First one is you reap what you sow. All right, going to play a game. It's not a trick question. If I plant corn this spring, what will I harvest in the fall? All right, if I plant tomatoes in the spring, what am I going to harvest in the fall? Can I expect to get pineapples? No. All right. We all understand that, right? When it comes to agriculture. And what God is telling us, this is a basic principle of life, not just agriculture. So if I'm to plant bad seeds or dead seeds, what am I going to harvest later? Nothing, right? Nothing good. They're dead. They're bad seeds. So, the Bible was written during agricultural, in agricultural society. So there's lots of examples. I just picked out one, an Old Testament prophet, Hosea. And he's talking to the nation of Israel, God is, through Hosea. And he uses the same illustration of sowing and reaping. So it's in Hosea chapter 10. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness. So plant good seeds, right? Plant good seeds, and you'll harvest a crop of love. Good, right? Plant righteousness, harvest of love. Now, to do that, you have to deal with your heart. So he says, plow up the hard ground of your heart. All right. We all come with, here with different degrees of plowing of our hearts. Some of us come here with a hard heart, and, and no matter what I say or what the words are in the song, uh, it doesn't touch us, doesn't affect us. We leave it not change at all. But the more we, in this case, plow up or toil the soil, the more receptive we're going to be to what the Spirit said. By the way, I love the new song, Brought Tears to My Eyes. It's my wife's favorite song. That's part of the reason, I guess. But you have to have hearts that are receptive. For now is the time to seek the Lord, he says. They're in a, a, a physical battle that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. That's where righteousness is going to come. So we seek the Lord and he will bless us, right? Unfortunately, they weren't doing that. That's why the prophet was speaking. He said, but if you cultivate, in this case, he says the words wickedness, unfaithfulness, and harvest a thriving crop of sins. That's what you're harvesting. In this case, you've eaten the fruit of lies, trusting your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. So that was the application of Hosea. So what is the soil of your heart like? Think about it this way. If you go to, uh, those of you who have jobs, go to work tomorrow, and you got a big walk in the office or your place of work, and you've got a big smile on your face. And you're smiling at this person, you're smiling at that person. What do you get back? People smile back. right? They don't even know why they're smiling. They're just smiling because you're smiling. The opposite case is also true. You go in there and start cussing. I hope you're not cussing, but anyway. Bad, bad attitude, you know, uh, a frown on your face. Most people are just going to kind of stay out of their way, right? you reap what you sow. Uh, Valentine's Day, those of you who are in relationships, hope you give a little special attention to your uh, significant other. But let me ask you a question. If that's the only time in a whole year that you give special attention to your loved one, how good is that relationship going to be a year later? Not so good, Right? But if you, uh, day in, day out, <laughs> shower uh, praise and, and support on your spouse or loved one, a year later from now, your relationship's going to be in a good place, right? You reap what you sow. <clears throat> Same thing with our diets and exercise and our, and our health. I'm going to eat really healthy this week and I'm going to exercise this week and then nothing else the rest of the year. What's my health going to be a year from now? Not going to be too good, is it? But if I'm consistently doing that, which I've done a pretty good job of most of my life, um, I'm a pretty healthy person. It's not an accident. I might have good genes. That's why I don't have gray hair. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so I have good Good hair genes. And I have hair. Some people would say I don't. But that's that's genetic. But my health is not genetic. Now the problem we have sometimes is this. I've been neglecting my health and now I got poor health and I'm going to the doctor and I'm saying, God, why'd you do this to me? We want to blame somebody, right? We don't want to take responsibility for it. Well, it wasn't God's fault. He's not punishing you. It's a law that you broke, or actually adhered to. What you sowed, you also reap. So a simple principle on your outline. If you don't like what you're reaping, what do you do? Change what you're sowing. So this fall you get corn and you wanted green beans. Next year you're going to plant green beans, right? So, at the end, we're going to tell you to focus on one thing that you need to change. It's hard enough to change one thing. We want to, Sometimes you get inspired, you want to change everything. No, no, no. We'll talk about one thing. So, you reap what you sow. Second part of the law is you reap more than you sow. That's why we sow it, right? If I put one seed in the ground and the plant produced one seed, I wouldn't waste my time and energy. <clears throat> Jesus told this story. Uh, We call it a parable uh, about this farmer spreading his seed, and it fell in four different places, kind of on the hard path, couldn't grow at all, fell in shallow soil, it grew a little bit, it grew in some soil with some weeds, and the weeds choked it out, but some of it fell on good soil. I love this parable because Jesus explains it for us. He told other stories, and we've got to try and figure it out ourselves. He explains it for us. So what was the good soil? What was the, uh, Jesus said, was an explanation of the good soil? We tell us in Mark chapter 4, it's also in other Gospels. The seed that fell on good soil, which represents the word of God, present, uh, represents those who hear, hear the word, and accept God's word. That produces a harvest of 36 or even 100 times. Now, who's responsible for, for productivity? I'm responsible for sowing the seed, but who's responsible for productivity? Can I make things grow? I can't make things grow. God is, right? I do the sowing. God produces productivity. Now, I got to thinking about this 100 times. That seemed like a lot to me. So I don't know about you, but I like corn on the cob. So I started thinking about all those kernels on the cob. So I did some research. How many kernels is on an average corn of the cob? Anybody got any idea? If you're in the first verse, you would know. It it varies, but the average is 800. So if I plant one seed in the ground, even if I only get one, you know, stalks of corn sometimes have two or three But even if I just get one, I multiplied that by 800. Isn't God good? Wow, 800. Now, the other fascinating thing I found out was, how many rows do you think there are? Anybody ever count them? I never have. Anyway, the average again, it varies, but the average is 16. All right? Next time you guys have corn, you're going to start counting, right? (laughs) Anyway, but the fascinating thing about the 16 is it's not always 16, but it's always an even number. I don't know. God just likes even numbers better than odd, I guess. I don't know. They're always going to be 14 or 16, but never an odd number of years. So, I <clears throat> cross across this illustration, and hopefully it'll be helpful. It's about these three guys. First guy's name is Sammy. Sammy the same. Sammy doesn't change things. He's, he's not really happy with his life, but he uh, actually complains about it some, but he's not wanna, he doesn't want to change anything. So he just goes on doing the same thing, and of course he gets the same results. His health is okay, but it's not great. His relationships are okay. Um, whatever. His spiritual life, just okay. All right? That's Sammy. Now Billy, Billy's better. Billy wants a change. Billy wants his life to get better. So he makes some decisions. He, he's... Gonna say, I'm going to be regularly in church, and I'm going to read my Bible through with, with some of the other folks, and I'm uh, going to spend time with God at home. I'm going to get involved in some ministry. I'm going to get involved in a small group. I'm going to do these things. Now, about my health, I'm going to just make a small change. I'm going to cut out one 125-calorie soda a day. That's it, all right? 125 calories a day. And uh, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to walk three times a week, all right? And then we have Wally worst. Now, Wally, he isn't too interested in, in getting good positive results. So, Wally decides church is not important. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to be a small group. I'll show up every once in a while. Um, I'm not going to invest much in my relationship with my spouse. Uh, I got, I'd rather be playing video games. Uh, I'm really good at video games, by the way. Uh, and my health... Uh, I, I think I'll start drinking more soda. Or maybe six packs on the weekend. You know, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. All right? So, fast forward a month. Any of these guys' lives much different? No. Month two, not much different. Fast forward 26 months. That's because of the math, all right? Fast forward 26 months. Let me tell you about Sammy. Sammy's pretty much the same, right? Plains about his life, doesn't have any desire to really do much anything different. Uh, He's interested in God a little bit, uh, his relationships, etc. Now Billy, on the other hand, he's made small, consistent changes, right? He cut out 125 calories every day. After 26 months, he's cut out 117,000 calories. And the math says he's lost 33 pounds. Everything else considered. All right. So he's feeling pretty good. His spiritual life's on track. His relationship with his spouse is good. He's lost some weight. He's got a new wardrobe. Life is good. Now, what about Wally? Wally, well... His marriage is just hanging on by a thread. Uh, Spiritual life's not much there. And he's added 117,000 calories to his diet. So he's gained 33 pounds. His wardrobe's different too. It's just not as nice. So on your outline it's not what you do occasionally that makes the difference. You cut out that soda one day makes no difference. It's so what we do consistently day after day, week after week, month after month that makes the difference. Consistency plus time equals change. Good change or bad change. So, reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow, which can be good or bad, depending on what we're sowing, right? And lastly, you reap after you sow. And this is where we struggle. So for example, you've got a $35,000 student loan. And you decide, okay, I'm gonna stop buying $5 coffees every day. So after a month, you've saved about $100, you pay it on your student loan. and Now it's not $35,000 anymore, it's $34,900, right? Not much difference. But over time, month after month, year after year, eventually your debt is paid, especially if you invest more in it. So we struggle because we don't see change quote-unquote soon enough for us. On your outline, we wrongly conclude that small decisions don't matter that much. However, our entire lives are the sum total of decisions that we make. Whether it's diet, exercise or not. Spend time with God or not. Spend time with working on my relationship or not. Every action, you're choosing a direction. Bad diet, not exercise. I'm choosing a direction of poor health. The opposite is also true. So, I want to review this series, kind of tied all these three weeks together. We talked a lot about identity. When you know who you are, you know what to do. If I'm a child of God, I act like a child of God. If I'm a my case used to be a, uh, a long-distance runner, I act like a long-distance runner. Right? So whatever it is spiritually, whatever it is, uh, I'm a husband, so I'm, I want to be a good husband. I'm a father, I want to be a good father, whatever it might be. If our identity is wrong, we talk to me have little cycles. Then the cycle is bad, right? I see myself as a loser. I see myself as uh, as a, uh, separated from God. Um, I feel guilty. Uh, I can't overcome this shortcoming or sin in my life, and I just have this vicious cycle. On the other hand, if I'm a child of God. I need to trust God. Uh, with His help, I act like a child of God. So what do we do? I put on line we acknowledge who God says we are. So I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. Uh, All things work together for good. Uh, All things are possible. Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I'm an overcomer. Uh, The list is almost endless. Also, we need to stop trying. We talked about this last week. And start training. Trying almost implies, I'm going to try for a while, and then I'm going to stop. Training doesn't have a stop, right? I train for this race, well, once the race is over, you might want to stop. So, choose what you want most. This is the thing I want to remember the most from this series. Choose what you want most over what you want now. What do you want most of all? You can only decide that. So I asked you about success. So how do you judge success? Daily, how do you judge success? Because we said there's there's a time lag between doing the right things or the wrong things and the harvest. You don't judge success by the harvest. We reap, by the harvest we reap, but by the seeds we sow. So what did you sow? What did you plant today? And we would say, has it honored God? Have I honored God with my with my body? Have I honored God in my relationship? Have I honored God today with my finances? Have I honored God today at my workplace or school? That's how you judge success. And ultimately, you'll reap the harvest. So again, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. That's what Paul is telling us. Right time, God's time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up you'll lose 33 pounds or you'll gain 33 pounds, right? Your marriage will be stronger. Your finances. I always encourage people to give, ideally 10% or more, but start percentage giving. Don't give an amount. Give a percentage because if your salary goes up, then you give more. And then you increase the percentage year after year. And then you get to 10%. The Bible talks about 10%. <clears throat> That's under the law, and I think, we, I know we're under grace, so grace is better than law, so I should be given more than 10%. Not necessarily to the church, but give it away. Right? And you can do that eventually. And you had the blessing and the joy of doing that, being uh, uh, benevolent. Is it just luck? No, it's not luck. You won't always see it, but Paul says, don't give up. And why is he saying it? Because it's not easy, is it? But that's okay. And let me end with this. There's one place, really, really most important place, where the law doesn't apply. And that's your and my relationship with God. Do any of us get what we deserve? We call that grace. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get what we plant. We don't get what we work for. By God's grace, his unconditional love for us, I get salvation and forgiveness. I don't deserve it at all. So I thank God there is this principle, this law, but he makes the exception because he loves us. So, I told you earlier, choose one specific area that you want change. You want to be sowing for Success. And then start daily doing what's required to produce success. Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you for this law because uh, I know I can do the things that will produce the results I want. So I can make positive changes in my life and positive things will happen. I thank you for that. It's not just love. But most of all, we thank you for grace. <laughs> that we have forgiveness and relationship with you by just trusting you, by faith. You offer that. It's a gift. It's a gift. We don't get what you serve. And so we pray for anyone, God, that's not a Jesus follower, that they would understand us. <laughs> that they're separated from you by their sin. Uh, they're going to reap a harvest of, uh, of wickedness and, and, and death and destruction. And it's so unnecessary. This law can be changed just by faith. Trusting in Jesus. We pray that would be your decision. Father God, we continue to pray that you will continue to work in our lives, soften our hearts, make those changes in us that would honor and glorify you. In your name we pray, amen.